could really grasp what, what God was trying to tell us in, in this and, and, and trying to explain when he said these words. Uh, and it, 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 for him to say and, and to, to, to give the example that he did, uh, it just, it, I never could, it never made sense. And we're going to read the passage so, um, to see if it makes sense to us. But uh, we're first going to start. Jeremiah 31:34 And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the Lord I like the way it puts a pause there and if we just pause for a second and and we reflect on what God is telling the people of Israel through Jeremiah it says here and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, you shall know the Lord. So the Lord was saying at this time, people were encouraging each other, sharpening each other, you should know the Lord. But he says here that there's going to be a time where this is going to stop for they shall all know me. This is Jeremiah who's prophesizing Who's, who's, who's testifying of the things to come with the Lord. And we keep on reading here. They shall know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. You see, our Jesus is worldwide famous even in places that you may not think he's known, he's known. And his popularity is gaining more and more with technology advancing. And we know that people know about Jesus. They know about this God they may claim to be. They may not, see, there's a difference between knowing Jesus and accepting Jesus. And, and, and here in this passage, we hear Jeremiah telling the people, no more of this because there's going to be a time here where people are going to know who he is. They're going to know what he did. They're going to know how he paid the price for our sins and the love that he showed us. And we're in those times where we know what Jesus has done. People know, oh, I've heard of this story of this man hanging on a cross, paying the sins of everyone. But we want to understand more and go beyond that. We turn to Isaiah 53, 6. It says, and we... Like sheep have gone astray. How many of us in our life have had that moment where we've gotten off track, we've gotten off of mission, we've gotten into the regretful state, we've gone astray? How many of us have struggled? Todos nosotros, hermanos, como dice esta página aquí, todos nosotros nos descarriamos. un tiempo en nuestras vidas 
I know I did. I know I have. I know I went through a time where, what do they call it in, uh, in history? The medieval times? The dark ages? I had my, my, my past dark ages. And I experienced what it was to be brought back in line. The Lord taught me what it was to be in his path and not my own. But it says that we, as all of us, have gone astray. And we keep on reading here. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So, brothers and sisters, we find ourselves lost at times. We could be here, we could be members of this church and still be lost. We could be receiving heavenly food and still be lost. No one here can say that they haven't been lost at one time in their life. Some of us have experienced being lost here at church. But again, we serve a mighty and merciful God. No hay nadie aquí, hermanos, que puede decir que no has estado, ¿cómo se dice aquí? Descariado. Porque todos hemos estado en momentos de nuestras vidas descariados. But mercy, mercy, mercy found us. Mercy spoke to our iniquity. Mercy convinced us that there was something greater than what we were experiencing in this life. People that have problems with God because of the experiences that they've had here in life, blaming God for something that a godless world created a non-believing world that received iniquity, that accepted, has created these problems in this world. We can't blame God for the pain and the struggle that's here. But we can receive from God for the healing and for his strength. If we turn to Luke 23, 27, I'd like to read from that confounding verse that I told you for years had me just confused and had me lost in. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what God was trying to tell me in these few verses here. And it says here, and they followed him a great company of people and of women, which which also bewailed and lamented him. They were crying at him. These women were crying. This is, this is when Jesus, when Pilate has told Jesus he was going to be crucified. And these women and people started following him. They didn't understand what was going on. They were confused. How can this Jesus that did no wrong be caring or being asked to Hang on a cross. We read here, we keep on reading. 
The next verse. But Jesus turning unto them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me. Sounds very strong, sounds very powerful. Weep not for me. What a mighty God here. But he wanted to teach us something in these powerful words. And again, so confusing to me. Weep not for me, but weep for yourselves. Now, I'm very confused in this because I'm seeing Jesus on his way to the cross, knowing the pain that he was going to receive from hanging on a cross. And he says, don't cry for me, cry for yourselves. How does that make sense? I think in a moment like this, I I, I would be so terrified, I would be so hurt. And I would be okay, 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 no, 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 okay. But he says something here that, that to me is so impactful for where we're at and where we're to, what's to come. He says, don't cry for me, but cry for yourselves and for your children. Now, what are you trying to tell me here, Jesus? In a moment that these are the, fa- the last words that you're, you're telling me on the way to the cross, you're telling me to pay attention to something here. All the way to the cross, our Jesus wasn't selfish. Where he could have said, yes, I know, I know. I know I'm about to hurt for y'all. And he said, no, don't cry for me. Cry for yourself and your children. And he explains why here on the next verse. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the paps which never gave suck. Now listen to this, brothers and sisters. I don't know what world it is. I don't know where it's at. I don't think I've heard it. Maybe in some third world countries. But he's saying that there's going to be a day where a woman not having a child is a blessing. That there was going to come a time that the world was going to be such a mess that it's better not to bring a child into this world. I, 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 that's the one that got me. Is like, what? How could that ever be a blessing? I, I, I just don't get it, Jesus. I'm lost here for a second. How in the world can that ever be a blessing? That to me would hurt. This to me, all these different things. But Jesus says here, and he keeps on, and we keep on reading here. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? You see, brothers and sisters, there was a strength that took Jesus from birth to the cross. And that same strength that took him from Being born to the cross is the same strength and spirit that's in each one of us 
that has received Jesus. You see, Jesus knew that there was going to come a time where affliction, where pain, where tribulation was going to come to us. You see, we, we've, we've gotten too accustomed to things being for us and not against us. Well, I don't know what you're talking about, Brother Gabe, because I feel things are against me. No, 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 you're not hearing what I'm saying. There is a time that we're going to read, a time of struggle that's coming. And we cannot grow too accustomed to everything being all right. Because we're going to need to be prepared for this time that Jesus talked about here. That it's going to be a blessing for a woman not to have a child. God, help me to understand this. God, help me to preach this. Let your spirit come here, Jesus, to receive this. We turn to Matthew 24, 3. And he sat upon a mount, and he sat upon, upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately. Isn't the word of God perfect? Because see, all of us, we flip through pages and we just see Jesus in the main stage. But the word of God is so perfect that it gave you behind the scenes stuff. See, you're not, see, some of y'all, you guys want to know the dirt. You want to, you know, you're, you're, you're reading the magazines. You're, you're listening to the TV shows. You just want to find what's going on behind the scenes. The word of God is giving it to you right here behind the scenes. Look at this. It says that the disciples came to him privately. This is a private discussion that you get a chance to see. And it says here saying, tell us when shall these things be? And what shall be the signs of? of thy coming and the end of the world. This is an important thing. This is a time you look at right here. This is towards the end of Jesus' life. What an important question, right? I've got Jesus still here, and it's like, hey, Jesus, you're talking like you're leaving. (laughs) You're kind of worrying me here. You've been talking like you're leaving. You know, I I don't want you to leave without, without you telling me something here. And this is, this is something, what a beautiful thing to have a friend that can tell you something of what's to come, of what's in, what you're in danger of. Keep on reading here. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Y respondió Jesús, les dijo, mirad que nadie os engañe. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, porque vendrá muchos en mi nombre diciendo, yo soy el Cristo, y a muchos engañarán. And ye shall hear, of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. You see, brothers and sisters, we, we, we don't want to hear this. We don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to scare people, we say. I, don't, I, don't, I want to I believe in something that might not be real. I'd rather just believe that tomorrow is tomorrow. 
when it's not promised to us. We start to, we start to hear these, these verses here, and it was like rumors of wars. Okay, it was North Korea, Russia. You know, China wasn't happy with us. Iran's never. <laughs> you know, we, instead of coming here and giving you an official date, I, I, I'm here asking you to just to pay attention to the times because the times are going to tell you the times we're in. You know, we, we want this to be the greatest, I want this to be the greatest times of my life. And they can be in Jesus. But we got to understand that it's still not going to stop him coming. The greatest times aren't going to stop Jesus from coming. He's coming. And he's coming for his people. And this is where we get closer to him through his word. We want to get to know him more. God, I want to get to know you more so I know of this, what you speak, what you're saying right now, Jesus, I want to know that I am prepared for this. As we see here, he says that people will try to put mountains on top of them to hide. Because the world is going to be and is going to. We're not privileged to seeing everything that's in the news around the world. You go to world newses like BBC, you'll see melted children in Syria being bombed outside of their schools. You'll see people being punished in China for serving Christ. People being killed in India for preaching the gospel. You see, the less we know of what's happening around the world, the more the enemy has us deceived and feeling comfortable. And again, this don't cry for me. It, it, I just didn't, God, what do you, why? How could that be a blessing? How could that ever be a blessing? And we continue reading here. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdoms against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. Now, it sounds like you would have been afflicted during those times. Earthquakes, famines, pestilence. I mean, we see things and we, and and like I said, we're not privy to things. We're not privy to earthquakes that are happening around the world. We we, we haven't been privy. We see the, the, you know, the commercial spot where we see people struggling in countries with famine. But, but to experience famine, that, that, that sounds like that's already being, you know, the beginning of sorrows. But it says here, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. Now, when he said you, he was talking to the disciples. He was talking to believers. He was talking to people that knew 
gospel. Again, I, I find myself and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm sitting with Jesus right now, right? And he's telling me this stuff and I'm like, you know, I'm sorry I asked. I'm actually sorry I asked this. This is, you know, I, I got the other stuff, but, you know, I thought I was going to be under your saving grace and your protection and, and these things right here. But now you're saying, and you shall be afflicted. Doesn't sound like a good deal, but we don't understand one thing that you doesn't exclude anyone else. You see, we hear you, and we're like, man, then I, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm checking out. <laughs> it sounds like this is the place that you don't want to be. Here where you're at right now, Brother Gabe, is the place you don't want to be because you is here, and I just don't need to be here to not be afflicted. No, you don't understand one thing that the affliction is coming worldwide. His strength, his protection, his love. His grace is going to fall onto a selected few. What a responsibility we have to to grab that and to pass that on to those that we love. You know, to love someone is not just to provide for them, but it's to secure their future. Keep on reading here. And they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated for all things for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound. Listen to this. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. Now, brothers and sisters, now I want us to to put in parentheses here iniquity. Because iniquity is what's going to abound and cause the love of many to wax cold. So iniquity... Iniquity, this sin that is being accepted everywhere, that is sneaking its way around the world, and what is wrong is being called right, is going to grow more. And what I knew growing up now is like, well, that's just, that was an old way of looking at things. This is the new way of looking at things. And this powerful thing that is gaining current acceleration is going to abound. The Word of God says that it'll even deceive the elect. So what, what we must do is what we, we must be prepared This is where we prepare our hearts. This is where we prepare our lives. This is where we start to understand God's mercy. And the process is never too late to understand his mercy. Well, I'm old already. I'm I'm still young. I still can do things. Never too late. 
Say, God, help me understand so I could be a blessing to my family. I can teach them that there's an enemy that wants to deceive me, wants to ruin me, wants to destroy me, and will use any kind of mechanism. He comes at me with any kind of mechanism. This enemy that we are, are dealing with, um, it's technology is not even close to what it knows. It's a spiritual battle. You know what a spiritual battle is? It's knowing what's going on in your life and throwing it in front of you. It's knowing exactly what your weakness is and putting it in front of you on a silver platter. That's the enemy that we're up against. If you like it like this, I'll give you a little bit of extra of that to convince you. But when we, when we lean on to Jesus, when we lean on to our God, he opens up our eyes. He creates new ways for us. He shows us, I was in the wrong in this. Uh, he shows us, I never saw it like this. I never looked at it like this. And we're grateful for our God who still, who still after hanging on a cross didn't get bitter on humanity. Didn't get discouraged by those that were saying, kill him, kill him. By the mockers. And we shouldn't get discouraged, brothers and sisters. We shouldn't get discouraged when people mock us. When they say, oh, that's just a little bit too old school radical that you guys are believing there, isn't it? Does it really need to be like that? Where does it say that in the word of God? And our problem is, is that we cannot go back to the word of God and find where it says it. But that's not Jesus' fault. The word of God calls it the el fan del mundo. It's the pull of the world that causes us to lose the connection to God's word. To find out where it says it at. To go to the source. You see, Jesus was the word. And when people came up to him and tried to be like, well, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to come up to Jesus and I'm going to make him look foolish here. He was the word. He came, everything he said was the word. And see, sometimes people come up to us, well, I'm just going to come up to this person right here. I'm going to make him look foolish. You know, he don't know anything about, about life. And we're not connected to the word. But I promise you, when you get connected to the word, Everything you say will not return empty. It will penetrate, it says, into the depths of the soul. There's no medication. There's no drug. There's nothing in this world that can do what the word of God can do. And we've experienced this love from him, this revelation from him. Let's turn to Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, 
but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do we prove? How do we prove these things? By not being transformed to this world. The world wants to transform us. It slowly grabs you in things until you don't even realize you're lost. You're dressing different. You're talking different. You find yourself doing things that are different until you're lost. And you don't know why I have this hate in my heart. I don't have mercy in my heart. I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want to reach out my hand to anybody. I'm angry. But the word of God says, do not be convinced in what you experience in this world because this world ends and your life begins. You see, some of us, They've experienced a lot of hurt, a lot of sadness in this world, a lot of pain in this world. And we can't think that there's anything better than what we've seen or experienced. And that's false. And the devil wants you to believe that. And the devil wants you to cry yourself to sleep instead of receiving healing right now. Our God is a healer. I remember regret. I remember carrying this burden of who I was and what I did. But I remember one thing when Jesus came to me and showed me through his word that if he could forgive me giving up everything, then I could receive that and start teaching that and start explaining to people that that is a path that you can take. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter how de- deep of sin that you've been in. We see Moses killed a man and brought God's people out of of Egypt. We see David committing adultery and God showing mercy in his life. I don't know what the devil that you can't come out of, but he wants to deceive you so you'll be confused in that day. But something wants to pull you out of this lost world. It wants to show you something new. God's spirit, God's pull has allowed you to receive, to hear his word today. It's words of life. But we cannot get used to what is being taught here in the world. The world telling us we must be this, we must be that. If the word of God doesn't tell us this, if we can't find it in the word of God, if we can't go back to the word of God for it, this is what's so beautiful about this. We just read Jeremiah talking about God's mercy, Isaiah prophesizing God's mercy. It's everywhere. It's lost. It's nuggets. It's nuggets of gold, of wisdom that's in the word. 
well, I have a hard time just reading. You know what? This thing reads you. It don't matter what you're having a hard time reading. God will give you wisdom. If we turn to 1 John 2.15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, this is very difficult. How can we not love the things in the world when we are in the world and things that matter to us are in the world? Kind of seems like it's contradicting some things here. But you see, there's a love that's being spoken here. There's a love that will make you decide something. There's a love here that the enemy will use to make you think that you're doing what's right when you're doing what's wrong. How, how, could, how could, you know, how could in the Bible, you know, classifying love, but, but we, we read here that, that we're going to get to points where we're going to be nitpicky and we're going to be like, well, I don't think it's not right not doing this for someone I love. We'll justify sin. We'll justify disobedience. We'll justify iniquity because of love. And right here we read that God is saying, nah, I'm drawing the line. And this line, I need you to be on the side where everything else is ways to set you and me. I've said this before, that this is the place that you could be at, that you could be selfish and care about yourself and your relationship with God. You see, we come here and we sit here and, 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 and we think about everybody else in our life. We sit here and we start to think about children, parents, brothers and sisters, co-workers, but we forget ourselves. And we forget the love that we have to have for Jesus. And, and, and all Jesus says here is like, look, 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 look. look. I get it. You, you have necessities. You, you have needs here. You have responsibilities here. But do not let those responsibilities affect this. You see, some of us were lost in that. Some of us are religiously lost in that. And God's not saying for you to hate. He's saying for you to be focused. Because when you're focused and everything else, then you have the chance. But if you're not focused, then what chance does your family have if nobody's focused? Oh, God, help us. What chance does our family have if one of us isn't focused? I, I don't know that answer. 
I know that there's better, there's got to be somebody that is focused. If our family has a chance, let us not be deceived by terms that even you could be found, be found in religious. If we turn to James 4, 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enemy with God. Whosoever, therefore, be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Now, again, I don't get, it starts out so strong because it says adulterers and adulteresses. I mean, that's a pretty strong term that, you know, James is using here. I mean, you know, you could do a lot of stuff, but you can say, well, I'm not an adulterer or adulteresses. I haven't done these things. I haven't, you know, I've been faithful in these things. But it's not talking about being faithful physically. It's talking about a faithfulness spiritually. It's talking about that you can't, when God reveals something to you, you cannot just know this and say, God, I saw you today. You spoke to me today. You told me something about myself. And then just turn and say, God, I know you told those things, but I like the way it is over here. You see, God gives the comparison to the church as his wife. And, 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 and when James is talking here, even, he even refers to a wedding. Jesus did. You see, this world is starting to delude what commitment is. And I, I'm so glad, you know, I, I'm a baby of the 70s. And they have to go through what some of these young people are going through trying to figure out things and, and, and experimenting with relationships. It's pretty black and white back in my day. You like me or you don't like me. Now it's like, man, they've got to do 40 things to me even talk to the person. What? Get out of here. Just look into her eye. Back in my day. Struggle. But also with that is now the new rules of what a relationship could be. What faithfulness is. is. And we're losing the connection to what God created and what he defined as relationship. And we're starting to define it with examples around us. This is the way my dad was. This is the way my mom was. This is the what I've seen. This is what I've known. That's not God. Because God has something perfect for you. It's not easy at times. Structure's not easy at times. Especially when you've been on a wild path of just relentless pleasing yourself. But when we find ourselves in this path, this path of pain, we see James here saying, you cannot, you cannot just because the world is doing things, think that God has approved that. God has not approved what's happening in the world. The world has defined it, has created it, 
Help us, God, to realize what you have asked of us in this world. You have told us the lights that you've asked us to be in this world, Jesus. Help us to understand, Father, what you need from us here, the examples that you're asking us to be here, how we're supposed to speak of you, Jesus, here. How can people get to know you, Jesus, if I don't know you, Jesus? What chance does the world have if I'm not seeding the world, Jesus, with your word? What chance does the world have if I'm not giving salt to the earth? Help me, Jesus, to be that salt, that example of what it is to be redeemed, what it is to be forgiven, what it is to experience your mercy, Jesus. Help me to speak of that and not just look at the grind. Some of us don't talk about God because we're in a grind. We're being grounded. We're, we're just, the devil's just doing this. The devil's just doing this. And he's like, <laughs> try to talk about God. <laughs> you ain't talking about God. And then all of a sudden when we do it, you see, the word of God says to know the mechanisms of the devil. And we got to understand what a mechanism is that he has. A mechanism is, is that he wants to remind you, first of all, he wants to remind you of something that's not necessarily true anymore, which is your past. You see, once you, once you start to get to know Jesus, you start to see that he starts to remove your past because he says, why hold on to that weight when I want to take you to new places? Some of us, we just go back to the, like I said, the, the scene of the crime. Man, horrible. You're right, devil. Hmm. Hmm. I was, man, I was nasty back then, wasn't I? I, yep. Jesus and his mercy, he tells us that, look, that's forgotten. You come to me and it's forgotten. You come to me and I wash it away with the soap that's not even been invented here. This is a blood soap that scrubs out anything. Jesus starts to speak to us and says, look, I know you've done things. I know you can't even forgive yourself for some of these things. But it's not up to you to forgive yourself. It was up to me to pay the price to forgive you. We can't understand God's mind and his mercy and how can he have spoken to me? He told me something. How could he have encouraged me when the world just was consuming me with more and more iniquity? And I'm grateful for God's love, amen? How many of us are grateful for God's love if we turn to 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the later times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now you see, you might not know this, 
You might just think that, you know, in church, but each one of us has a spirit. Each one of us has a spirit that we own independently. It's defined to be our spirit. It's part of me. But see, God gave me this spirit. And the spirit will return to its maker one day. What you see and what you know of Gabe, the handsome guy that he is, he's staying here. And his spirit is going to meet its maker. And Timothy right here says that if we have a spirit, then we got to understand what our warfare is, which is against a spirit. You see, it would be so much easier if somebody would knock on your door and say, hey, I'm here to destroy your life. Right? You turn off the lights, you know, close the curtains. I'm not going to answer the door. There's zombies outside. The spirit comes in through phones, comes in through computers, comes in through the television, comes in through conversation. The spirit that we have is at the grocery store. It's at work. And now you're like, whoa, Gabriel, okay. This is sounding a little bit more serious, but see, it is serious. Because it says in the word of God that the spirit is looking for places to dwell in, to live in. You don't understand one day you're this, the next day you're this because of the spirit that entered. But what I love about the word of God is see, God gave us a spirit also. To combat this, a spirit that cannot be defeated in this, a spirit that if we hold on to and we lean on to and we hold on to his Holy Spirit, then it reveals to us these spirits. And you start to look around and you can see spirits because he's given you spiritual vision. And for some of us that are heads of homes, God gives you the ability to discern spirit. And what a responsibility when you can look at a child, at a spouse, and you can see that there's something not right there before they go on a path of destruction in terms like, well, they'll figure it out. They're still young. We just do the Russian roulette. I figured it out. We don't know what outcomes could be for our families just because we experience God's mercy. This is serious. 
This is serious that we should take it. And it says in the word of God that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But it also says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of man. And for some of us, we've lost this fear of coming to him, saying, God, teach me more. I want to know more. Teach me more, Father, so I can direct. 2 Corinthians 11.3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now listen to this. Listen to this. This is powerful. This is, I mean, some of us is like, man, that's a lot of words right there. I don't get it. But look look at how it says it right here. Go back to the verse here, bro. Go back to the verse here. Look at he, he deceived Eve with the cunningness that only a snake could create. But it says here, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity. Now, see, see, it's not hard to understand God's love and what he has for us. It's simple. But see, the devil comes as the deceiver that he is with things to try to convince us that it's different, to try to make it justify things and how we are. Look at the conversation he had with Eve. What? God told you you couldn't do this? No. And he even starts out by saying, God told you you couldn't eat from here? That's not what God said. You see, our, 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 our enemy will use the word of God because he used words from God to deceive them, to corrupt them, to make you think something, to make you justify something, to make you think your weakness is justified. How many of us have felt that our weaknesses are justified? Well, I just don't know. Well, they're too old. I can't control them. Well, this or that. Whatever your weakness is, the devil tries to convince you that, okay, it's okay. It's really not what the word of God says. When it says it's simple, you can't get confused by it. You just read it for what it is. It's powerful. There's no alteration that you can take and give in it. It's, that's mighty that we have a God that didn't say, you know, I need you to uh, know all the mysteries before you can receive me. Some of us were killed with a, a verse. Some of us were convinced by a message and you didn't know the whole Bible. And it sustained, it sustained you. It maintained you all these years while you were learning stuff. But the devil wants to say, oh, no. You see, if you knew more, you would know that it's not saying all these things. 
And it doesn't even encourage you to learn more. You just say, oh, so there's some hidden stuff that I might not know so I can keep on doing what I'm doing. Because the devil is a deceiver. But our God has defeated him. You see, the devil doesn't like to hear about these things. He likes to be in the scary stuff, right? The shadows, the boo. It's the devil. Be careful. Devil get you. Look under your bed. Now the devil's everywhere. But we know that we take God with us and Jesus with us everywhere to discern those spirits. God, help us to discern those spirits, those spirits that want to destroy us, that want to convince us. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack. Woo, come on. What, what version is that you guys got up there? Slack? I like that. I thought it was tardy, but the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Listen to this, brothers and sisters. You know what it's saying here? It says, let's read it in Spanish. It says, Señor, no se tarda su promesa como algunos la tienen por tardanza, sino que es paciente para con nosotros, no queriendo que ninguno perezca, sino que todos proceden, procederán al arrepentimiento. You know what it's saying here? You know what, it's, you know what the word of God is saying here? Listen to this. The word of God is saying that the world is saying, when's God coming? When's God coming? God's not coming. You guys have been saying this for 2,000 years. God's coming. <laughs> but if we go back before 2,000 years, When's it going to rain, Noah? When? You've been saying that it's going to rain. It's not going to rain. And we see it rained. And we see here Peter saying that God doesn't not do what he says he's going to do. But we as humans don't understand his mercy. Because he wants you to have a chance to, to catch. He wants you to have a chance to receive. So he holds on a little bit. Because he looks into our hearts and he says, if I just hold on a little bit, this person's going to have a chance to receive. It's going to take some hurt. It's going to take some pain. Because they're stubborn. But if I just wait, and his mercy doesn't stop, his mercy doesn't stop just because we think and we judge a book by its cover, saying, well, people have been saying, talking Jesus, churches, all this stuff, they just talking Jesus. But we don't understand that his patient love for us 
is that we come to repentance. You see, if you keep on living and allowing iniquity to abound in your life, you will not be here in the only place that you the only place you have to learn about his love and his grace and the strength that he can give you in your weaknesses. The opportunity he gives you now. He says, look, I'm going to extend this time for you. But if we choose iniquity, then we choose a a path that will abound and will make us forget these things. But when we hear his voice and we know it's God speaking to us, and we know by grace something has found us, amen? Psalms 119.105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, brothers and sisters, we live in the dark times of this world where we know that the enemy is trying to deceive us. An enemy will try to remove sight from you so you can stumble, so you won't know where you're going. I remember I brought a message in the old church. And it was called tactical warfare. It was funny, I was... I was going through some files and I found the old presentation that I did and it was all, you know, it was, I was, I just, I was like, I like to do things and I had battleships, I had all these different things on it because I wanted to, it was just going to be a good one, right? Things would pop up. But I remember in that presentation where that's the presentation, the message that I brought, I talked about that the enemy wants to remove your sight. So guess what the enemy attacks first? The radar. Because if you don't know where he's at, or you don't know where you're at, then you have no chance to save or to be saved. So God's word is our lamp, is a lamp unto our feet. We keep on reading here, bro. Verse 30, or 130, I'm sorry. The entrance of thy words giveth light. So go back, go back one, brother. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's a light unto my path. Now we read verse 30, 130, I'm sorry. The entrance of thy words Give it light. You see, you thought it was really simple. Oh, I know that verse. Oh, I have that verse. Oh, I got a bookmark that that verse is on. But when you read this connection to it, that what is allowing us to enter, listen that. By words, give it light. As they put light on me right now. He giveth understanding unto the simple. You see, God's word speaks to us in ways that no other words can speak to us because 
it not only gives you wisdom, it'll give you the answer to your needs. You see, your needs are apparent what they are today. We all have different needs today. We all have different prayers today. See, God, he doesn't only give you what you need today. He gives you what you need tomorrow. Oh, it ain't over yet. That sounded good, right? And then he gives your children what they need in their tomorrow. When you're not here. You see, our God transforms generations. Our children don't have to experience what we experienced. That's who God is. You see, God will pick up what was nothing and make it to something to embarrass the world. I don't know know if you feel in that nothing part like we've been at in times in our lives. But you need to start receiving the something he has for you. I think a lot of us, we are convinced that there's a nothing, there's a nothing that we have found ourselves stuck in. I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I'm something because we haven't received what God has given us. Amen. First Samuel twelve twenty three. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Now, brothers and sisters, as God's patience, like Peter said, is held in 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 is. For, for his, his redeeming of us because he thinks of the repentance that's still needed here on earth. We, hear, we read here with Samuel, a prophet, a prophet of God saying, I cannot stop praying for you. We cannot stop, brothers and sisters, having the desire to reach out to those that we love or we sin. I figured it would get quiet when after I said that. You see, some of us, we just get tired of doing it, right? We're like, man, I've said that so much. I've said, I've said it to all the ways. I've said, oh man, I keep on telling that person this and they're not doing it. I've told that person this and I've just said this stuff right here. And see, Samuel didn't say that. See, Samuel didn't say, well, you know what? I've said it so many times to you that I'm set out of it. No, he said that I will not cease to be praying for you. I wouldn't sin. This is what the love of the church must be, needs to be. Is that Samuel had some rebellious people. The times of there were ending in darkness in the times when David came. This is the darkest times in the Bible, it says. 
times of Samson where the people of God kept on being captured by their enemies. You talk about God just wanting to hit the reset button again. But Samuel says these words that I can't stop praying because my God is patient on his coming. So if he's patient on his coming and I'm praying, I'm doing his will. And we must take advantage of this, brothers and sisters, in the way of wanting to learn more. To bring our hearts, Hebrews 3.13, to him. Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now listen to this. I don't know who you are. I don't know what your personality is. Some of us, there's terms that they use, introvert, extrovert. An introvert person is a person that will hold things in and just quietly do what they're going to do. An extrovert person will do them and let you know that they did them. But here, the word of God is telling us to be extroverts. Well, I'm not an extrovert. The word of God is telling you to be an extrovert. And to let those around you know that the world may try to convince them that, take it easy, man. Take it easy. You heard heard the message today. God's taking his time. And you totally missed the message today then, if that's what you took. And just so you know, just to put a little bit of boo in you, to scare you, that was 2,000 years ago. Because we started by reading and being taught that the times are teaching us of his coming. Oh, and I pray for something. Jesus, right now, if my brothers and sisters don't pay attention, I'd like for you to amplify what's going around, going on around the world. If they think that they're safe and secure, everywhere that they turn, put a newspaper up. Put something that just scares the hell out of them. Because see, brothers and sisters, sometimes we miss the obvious thing. The word of God told us these will be the signs to come. And then we hear Peter saying, we're like, oh, oh, man, okay. Well, he's patient, so be patient on me, God. You know, God. You know how I am, God. It doesn't mean that the curse stops. It doesn't mean that the curse that you could be in stops. It didn't say anywhere that we read there that the curse stops in his patience. That curse is still there pushing you, pushing you. To him. And I'm grateful for God's push. How many of you all are grateful for God's push? How many of you guys have been in a curse? I've been in a curse. I've been in a curse. Anybody been in a curse here? Anybody been in a curse here? 
You see, I don't feel alone. I think there's more than that, but some of us didn't raise our hands. Praise God for that. But we've been in curses, right? And see, that curse, when you got out of the curse and you realized you were in that curse and you realized what it had done to you, when you look back and you go, what a mess that path was. We have a desire not to be there anymore. How in the world would you say that struggling and knowing that you struggled and how you got out of it, you would want to go back to it? If you knew that there was hurt, pain, everything that you left, and you're not feeling that, how in the world would it be? You would have to be out of your mind. The Word of God refers to it as beast. You know, because there's a sense there of thinking that what you're in, even though it's not what you were in, of the things of God is better. And the struggle comes, the pain comes. Brothers and sisters, the fear that I have is that I lose my way and my family loses their way. The burden I have is to hold on to Jesus with everything, to give my kids a shot at seeing somebody that was convinced, at seeing somebody that believed. And I'm grateful for the examples that are around me in this. People that don't give up. People that fall, but they get back up. Because nobody ever said it was going to be easy. And you, they shall kill. But I tell you one thing. As Stephen stayed there in a pile of rocks, being stoned by the commandment of Saul, and the heavens opened up. Our, word, our God and Savior will not forsake us. I believe in you, Jesus, and I know your word is hard, and I don't believe that it's going to be easy, Jesus, but I believe with you it becomes easier. Hebrews 10, 24. I'm going to ask the musicians to pass on up. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now, listen to that. I mean, when's the last time you've been provoked to love? Well, some of you husbands in here, you probably have by your wife. It's okay. I've been too. But listen to what it says here. To love and to do good works. Let us provoke each other to do that. Instead of provoking each other to look at our failures, to look at things that we lack. Let us provoke each other to be better. You see, when we provoke each other, we sharpen each other. We don't step on each other. 
pick each other up and we tell them it's not going to happen again. You got to be stronger in this. To love and to do good works. We read the next verse. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Listen to this. This is where we this is where we miss. This is where we miss the boat. Is at this place here, though it seems like it's few here, that there's more empty seats than seats filled, is an important place to be together. Because I was talking about spiritual things earlier, and there's spirits right here battling for you. I want you to hear me, whatever's inside of you, when the word of God says right here, not forsaking, being here, being grounded here, learning here, being connected here. I don't know what makes us think, but the word of God, we can do it differently. But for some of us that have experienced it through the heartaches, and you look on how you've been connected here, not forsaking the assembling of together. Because the word of God's going to speak to you when you need it. Before the devil deceives you, he's going to speak to you. Well, it's just that I can't, I can't this, I can't that. You make a way to be it. You find a way to get here. You find a way to be connected. We keep on reading. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. You see, brothers and sisters, it started off with saying, exhort one another, exhort one another, because the days are getting evil. You don't believe it. You don't believe that the days are getting evil. Come and talk to me after church. I could show you some things that probably would shock you even in this country that are happening. Days are getting evil, brothers and sisters. And if we're not careful, we will be deceived and counted as normal. This is why we find ourselves here in this precious place God bless this country that we're in, that we can gather here freely and speak freely. I'm speaking freely right now. And I thank God for giving us the opportunity to do that. But there's going to be a time when they will silence us. They will threaten us. There's going to be a time where they will want to hurt us. They'll want to ban us. And it's not going to be a surprise to us when it will be called a blessing for a woman not to have a child because of where the world is. Why don't we all stand up, brothers and sisters? I'm going to ask, uh, you can all just... Worship God and pray. Let's pray first that this message 
didn't lose any of its effect on how I said things or my used examples and things, but that the word of God said enough. It spoke to our hearts. The power that we have, brothers and sisters, is knowing that we have a God that loves us as much that he loves us so much that he speaks to us through his word, unfiltered. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm grateful for you, Father. I'm grateful, Lord, that you speak to us, Jesus. You reach out to our hearts, Lord. You tell us, Father, of things that are today and things that are to come, Father. You also speak of this mercy, Lord, of removing things of yesterday. I'm asking, Father, more than anything, that that message of redemption, Jesus, that message of love that you had, Jesus, for all of us, that you speak to the hurt that's there, that you speak, Jesus, to what is ailing, Father. If it's anger that's there, Father, speak to it, Jesus, with your love. If it's hurt, Father, speak to it with your healing. I'm asking, Jesus, that whatever it is that we're going through, Father, if we're mockers of the faith, Jesus, if we're thinking that these things aren't real, Lord, then I ask you to speak to it, Jesus. That you speak with the truth, Father. And your word is truth, Jesus. I'm grateful, Lord, for everything that you're doing in our lives, Lord, that you continually allow your word to flourish in our lives, Father. Now more than anything, Lord, that we start to build from your words, Jesus. This new way, this new path, Father, that you guide us. But more than anything, Jesus, that we don't forget, Lord, what we we're taught from you today, Jesus. Establish our lives in a mighty way. Bless us, Lord, today. Bless my brother Lorenzo, who's traveling, Father, and his family. But I'm asking, Lord, that you help us, Lord, and guide our hearts and our conscience, Lord, only the way you know how to, Jesus. Bless the food that we're going to receive, Father. We ask, Lord, that you... Bless and allow it to be a nourishment to our bodies. Bless those, Father, that woke up early, stayed up late. Bless them with the minds, Lord, not to murmur in doing this good deed, Lord, but that to know that they're seeding not only their family's future, but the future of many here, Father. I'm asking you, Jesus, to change the minds of the church, that we see the ugliness of our character at times, Lord. But we're drawn to the beauty of your mercy and your love, Father, for each other. Help us to grow together, Jesus. Bless our pastor, Lord, in his health, his family, Jesus. Just bless all my brothers and sisters here. We ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen.